Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast, and it's so good to have you today. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this. Let somebody know about it. And then get that email devotion that comes out every morning along with the podcast. You can go to myfaithroots.com and get that, and uh, I hope you will sign up for that. All right, let's look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. I guess it's been at least 30 years ago. The great Dr. Roy Hicks, wonderful man of God, told me this. He said there are only two people in the four Gospels that Jesus said had great faith. I didn't really realize that. And he said when you read about someone having great faith, you ought to stop and ask yourself the question, why do they have great faith? Is there something we can learn from? And in the case of this man, the Roman centurion, whose story is recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, there is indeed something to look at that will tell you about why he had great faith. So let's go back to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8. We'll start reading in verse 5. Then it says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. This is amazing. This man had an amazing faith that Jesus said is great faith. And Why he had it is revealed in the details of this story. The man has an amazing amount of authority as a centurion, but he's also got something that tempers that authority, and that is an amazing humility. He said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. You could see that he's a humble man. And so when you get humility associated with authority, you have a powerful, powerful thing going on spiritually. This is what he said, for I also, I also, when he said those three words, for I also, he is comparing himself to Jesus. He said, I, like you, am a man under authority. That's what he's saying. I, like you, am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. And he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So why is the man full of great faith? He is saying, I am under a power structure that's much greater than I am. Well, the centurion knows this about Rome, that Rome is noted for backing up its commanders in the field. In other words, they never tolerated rebellion. If a group of soldiers rebelled against their centurion, Rome would send whatever was necessary to put those men to death. They backed up their commanders, and it went all the way up to the emperor. And so this centurion knew that all the people above him had his back. So when he spoke and he said to one of his men, "'You come,' 
It didn't matter if the man was bigger than him, stronger than him, a better warrior than him. It didn't matter. That man had to obey. He dared not disobey because he knows that the word of that centurion will be enforced by all the power of Rome. And that's why that centurion had great confidence in his verbal orders. He says to Jesus, I am like you. You are under authority. And he's telling Jesus, I see that you don't do these things on your own. There is a power greater than you that you are submitted to. And that power backs you up. Now, you might think that Jesus would be offended by that. Well, me under power? Absolutely. Jesus was delighted to hear that. Listen to what Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 5, two places, verse 19 and verse 30. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. And of course, we all know that Jesus didn't do any miracles at all until the Holy Spirit came on him when he was baptized at the beginning of his ministry. So the Son knows without the Father and the Holy Spirit, I can't do anything. He does nothing but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Jesus said this in John 5.30, I can of myself do nothing. Wow. And what the centurion saw when he saw Jesus is he recognized a man who was in the same position as him. He's a man under authority. I can tell by the way he lives. He operates like a man under discipline. He gets up every morning. He's not doing his own thing. He is under orders. The way he behaves, I've observed him from afar. You know, I, I was in a, a box store here, oh gosh, 20 years ago. And I was looking for something and uh, uh, I, I walked down an aisle and I saw a man, uh, he was obviously a vendor, and I think he was a paint uh, salesman. And so he represented a particular paint company. Uh, African-American man, I walked up to him and I said, where'd you play football? Because I could tell by looking at him. And he, he was not a particularly big, big man. Uh, but uh, anyway, he, uh, he immediately answered me, oh, you. And I said, I, I thought you were a football player. I could tell by looking at you. See, I could recognize that in him because having been a football player myself, not at his level, but uh, having been a football player, I could recognize certain muscles that are developed. He had really big traps. I could see with his, his, his deltoids here. I could see that he had some definition. Just, these are muscles that most guys don't develop unless they've played football. You could see other things in his body where you could tell this guy's played football. Track guys, a little different. They're not quite the same. Uh, uh, swimmers, totally different. But but football player recognizes another football player. I can see it in the way they walk, too. Uh, I can see it in rodeo cowboys. You know, when I was a kid, my dad was a professional rodeo cowboy and we could tell real cowboys from the guys who were fake and there was a certain way of walking the way they carried themselves even the way they dressed you could see it in them the centurion could see in Jesus this is a man who's under authority I understand him I get it he doesn't have to come to my house most of the Jewish people wanted to see Jesus give a touch they thought the healing came from the touch. The centurion was different. He says, I know where the healing comes from. The healing comes from the word, not from the touch. I, I, I want to hear the word. He says the word, I'm good with that. I can go home knowing my servant will be fine because he speaks the word. And Jesus said, I've not found such great faith. No, not in Israel. Because great faith is always associated with authority. Now, this is interesting because the Jewish 
leaders who rejected Jesus, they called him a rebel. They said, you're doing your own thing. You're, you're, you're operating in your own name. Jesus said, no, the Son doesn't do anything without first seeing the Father do it. In other words, Jesus said, I'm under orders. I'm only doing what the Father has commissioned me to do. But rebellious people see rebellion. People who are under authority, they see others who are under authority. They recognize that. Now, Great faith is associated with authority. Uh, there's per perhaps no person in all of the rest of Scripture who shows as much faith as Jesus other than the Apostle Paul. And here in Romans chapter 11 and verse 13, 26 translations, here's what Paul said. But I speak to you that are Gentiles, being myself an apostle to the Gentiles, I exalt my office. Now, what is that saying? Here's a man who is extremely confident why is he confident? Because he knows who he's called to. He's writing a book to the Romans. The Romans are Gentiles. They're not Jews. He's writing a letter to them, and he's very confident, and he says, I magnify my office. I have no problem communicating with you and telling you things that may be difficult to hear. I don't have a hard time with this because I know to whom I was sent. So Paul has confidence because he is under authority. He knows what God has commissioned him to do. Uh, he expresses that great confidence. Great faith, always remember this, is born from a confident relationship. That's why it is so important that you spend regular time with God reading the scriptures, reading scriptures when you don't feel like reading them. If you have a hard time getting your mind focused, read them out loud. When you read the word out loud, it will grip your heart and mind. Uh, this book of the law, Joshua 1.8, will not depart out of your mouth. In other words, if you want to get a handle on your mind, if you want to turn your focus to the thing you're reading, read it out loud. And it's amazing how you will begin to focus every part of your being on that book that you're reading. Sometimes I read, most of the time, in fact, I read uh, silently. But there are times when I'm having a hard time getting zeroed in. I start reading out loud, and it builds great faith. And that's how you do it. You, you take time with God like this, and you'll be amazing, uh, amazed how much more confidence you'll have. Now, faith doesn't work like a wand. It's not about learning how to use the wand. That's not it. A lot of people see the miracles of Jesus, and they think about Him like a magician. We've seen too many Disney movies where the fairies come along, and they sprinkle their fairy dust and change things, and Jesus was like that. No, He wasn't. Jesus healed out of a great uh, relationship. It was about His confidence in his relationship with God, and he was certain of what God had said to him. Now, here we see it again in the Apostle Paul. Book of Acts chapter 19 verse 11, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Whoa! Uh, so there were times that Paul couldn't physically get to the people who needed the healing, so he wasn't able to lay hands on them. So cloths were used, and those cloths were carried to the sick, and when the cloth touched the people, 
the anointing that was from Paul on that cloth went into them and drove out the, the sickness, and in some cases an evil spirit. Now that's a special miracle. That's an unusual miracle. Uh, so, so that doesn't happen all the time, but that happened with the Apostle Paul. The word of that kind of thing spread round about the area. So let's go to the next verse. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Now this is interesting. Uh, because it looks as if he said the same thing about Jesus that it says about Paul, but he didn't. It's two different Greek words. He said, Jesus, I know. Actually, the word there is recognize. Jesus, I recognize. How many times did demon-possessed people run into the meeting where Jesus was, and they said, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, what have we to do with you? Have you come to torment us before the time? And Jesus said, shut up and don't say another word. He refused to let them talk. They recognized him. And so this man who was demon-possessed, the demon in him spoke up and said, Jesus, I recognize. Well, that isn't the first time that that's happened. All of the demon spirits knew who Jesus was. So he said, Jesus, I recognize. And then he said, and Paul, I know. Different word. He doesn't say, I recognize Paul. He says, I'm acquainted with him, or I've heard about him. That's what he's saying. And certainly in the demonic realm, someone as used of God as Paul was would have been recognized, or, or would have been, uh, they would have heard about him. He would have had a reputation with them. Different word than the word that's used for Jesus. And so these guys tried to cast the demon out uh, with a formula. They're thinking, all we got to do is have this formula. We just use the wand. We just say, Jesus, and we say, come out but they don't have the relationship. And so they have the name, but they don't have the relationship. And as a result, look at what happened. Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Why? Because they had no relationship. Listen, faith is not about some formula. It's not about getting stuff. Faith is a relationship with God. Now, because you have that relationship with God, there are other things that faith can bring into your life. But if your pursuit of faith is about how you can get stuff, how you can get things, then you, you're on the wrong course. However, to suggest that God does not care about these other areas of your life is wrong as well. God cares about every part of your life. It's that He wants you to establish priorities. And when you take time to get to know God, just like Jesus said, seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be added to you. Well, that's all the time I have for today. But we're not done with this series. We've got five more lessons on the subject of faith, and so don't miss that. That comes next week. I hope you'll tell somebody about this. Be sure to share it and hit that like button. Let, it, uh, let, let, <laughs> let us know that you like what we're doing. That'll help us to spread the word, and I appreciate it so much. Thank you. I'll see you next time. <laughs>